gold and Frankenstein and myrrh. Awesome, isn't it? Turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You all look amazing this morning. Merry Christmas. This is, uh, this is, this is a lot of fun, isn't it? Let's do this every week. Not the sweaters part, just the gathering together. Truth is, is um, this must be the warmest sweater that anyone has ever made. I've been hot all day. So uh, it's all right, though. Thank you all for being a part of it. Thank you for being here. The Bible's John chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to pray over us, and then we'll jump right in. Lord, thank you so much for Christmas time, God. We are thankful for your coming to earth, Lord, for stepping out of heaven and taking upon flesh and God doing all the things we can never do for ourselves. And I just pray today, O oh Lord, that if we've never heard it with our heart, that we hear it today. And Lord, if we've heard this story a long time, that we hear fresh and anew. God, that you would speak to us now. Spirit of God, guide us into all truth, away from ourselves and towards your righteousness. Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's here. Pray, O oh God, over those that could not be here, Lord. Today we pray over those that are heartbroken. Lord, are having a tough time, that have lost loved ones, are going through a difficult season. We pray for them, O oh Lord. Just pray, God, today that you would continue to protect us, but Lord, use us for your glory, as we want to be a church that works for you for a long time. In Jesus' name, amen. There is, is much debate as to the actual date of the birth of Jesus. One day, maybe we will know a definite day. But the day doesn't matter so much as the event. Christmas is about the arrival of Christ into the world to glorify God the Father, to bring about the, the good news of salvation to the sinner. And so to set the, set the stage for, for our message today, let's look at John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Bible says, So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of, un, he was full of unfailing love, and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. When someone dies, someone speaks. When two people get married, the bride and the groom, they speak their vows. At birthdays and anniversaries, we give cards, we even make toasts with words that speak. These are expressions of the heart to honor by way of the word. Just as the expressions of the heart can be through words, they can also be through pictures. At these funerals, weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, we often have featured portraits somewhere where we can look at the picture that's meant to display uh, to honor. Or, or there's slideshows. These slideshows have pictures that display the love for that person. Well, God has expressed himself to humanity, not through a speech, not through a picture, not through a post, not through a card, but through a person. And according to God's Word, Jesus is the eternal Word of God. He is the eternal expression of the heart of God. The Scripture says that Jesus is the picture of God, that He Himself is the visible image of the invisible God. That's what it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore, Jesus is the speech Jesus is the card, he is the portrait, he's the picture, he's the post. He is the ultimate expression of God's glory. 
And God's glory meaning the, the display of His perfection and His excellence. God has never kept Himself from creation. He's not trying to keep Himself from you. He has always revealed Himself to creation, always making Himself known. Through creation, again, when you see the, the stars in the sky, the moon that's up there, when you go to the beach and the water stops at a certain point, when you go to the mountains and take in all of it, this is God revealing himself at creation, generally. But he's become even more specific than that throughout the years. He revealed himself to his chosen people. He revealed himself in the tabernacle, through the temple, through his written word. But Jesus is the actual embodiment of God's word. He is the physical expression, glory of God. Therefore, if you came here today and want to study God, you're going to have to study Jesus. Because He is the display of God. He is, you can, when you study God, you can study His places. You can study His people. But you would do well to study His person, that is Jesus Christ. In some of your translations, the Scripture says at the end of verse 14, the only begotten. Those are words that we say growing up in church that we've learned that we don't really even know what that means the only begotten son, or the only born son. But this word meaning has less to do with birth and more to do with how unique Jesus is. The scripture says of Abraham's son Isaac that he was the only begotten son of Abraham. It says that in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17. But Abraham had more than one son and Isaac was not his firstborn. He is the only begotten son because he is the unique one of Abraham. Just as Jesus is the unique son of God. He's the only one in that category is what I'm telling you. Only begotten means that he is unique in person. Jesus, the son of God, as God, came down and took an additional nature of man. And he did, as God, all the things that only God could do. He became man without giving up his divinity. As God in the flesh, he healed the blind. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He provided food for thousands when there was only a happy meal. He, he did all of these things. God in the flesh read minds. He knew what was going to happen before it happened. As man, he lived with the nature of man. But he did so without giving up his holiness. See, that's something we can't even grasp with our head. The scripture says that Jesus went through suffering. He went through testing. That he faced all the same testing that we do. The scripture says that Jesus understands our weaknesses because he went through all of those things. But the scripture also says in Hebrews 2 and 4, he did not sin. See, this is Jesus, the God-man, the unique one. Church, Jesus is the object of our faith. We claim to know and be right with God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. So this is a gentle takeaway on the front of this message today. Don't let those in the field of education, history, and world religion know more about your Savior than you do. Are you hearing me? If anybody needs to teach a class on Jesus, it ought to be the church. We seek and follow Christ because he is God, the ultimate expression of God's glory. But there's something else in chapter 1, verse 14 of John. We are given the complete character of God in these few words. 
unfailing love and faithfulness. Look there again. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. This sums up Christ, the divine revelation, unfailing love and faithfulness. And this is also counter to the law. If you follow the law and to do right or wrong in order to get right before God, then you're going to follow a system where the words would be judgment and slavery. But if you follow Jesus, the words are grace and truth, unfailing love and faithfulness. And I use the words grace for unfailing love because that is the thought for those words, unfailing love, is the words grace. And that will be the focus that we have the rest of the way today. Let's talk for a moment about the God of grace. Grace is a characteristic of God because the characteristic of God is good, completely good. The only reason we're able to have the grace of God is because of the goodness of God. And grace is unmerited favor to those who are condemned. Now I want you to hear this. Grace is unmerited favor to those who are condemned. I want to make this even more plain. Grace is what those who deserve hell receive when they get to heaven. That's what grace is. Let me give you another one more one-liner. Grace is what God is like in relationships. That's who, that's who God is. Now, of God, there is common grace, and this common grace is given to all people because God is creator of all people, all things. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, it says that God gives sunlight to both the just and the unjust, or both the evil and the good, and that he sends rain on the just and unjust alike. So what this means is, by the grace of God, a day at the beach can be enjoyed by a peaceful believer or a vengeful terrorist. This also means that the miracle of life can be given to the son of a saint or the son of an atheist. This is because of the common grace of God. To all the unmerited favor, God provides creation. But it's not just that. He also gives time, breath, boundaries to everyone. But there's also another provision within his common grace that is conviction of sin. The Spirit of God convicts the world of God's righteousness and our sin. That is the common grace of God. God doesn't have to do that. He doesn't owe that to us. But because he is good and he's full of grace, he extends this common provision to all people. The common grace, y'all, is just the pregame festivities. Common grace is just the appetizer. Common grace is, is meant to prepare us for what is even greater. Common grace is meant to fix our hearts towards effective grace or saving grace. When you read in the scriptures of those who have been called or chosen by God to be his own holy people, and you'll find that in 1 Corinthians, you'll find that in Romans 1, you'll find that in Ephesians 1. These are passages that are denoting the effective grace of God whereby God has made a way for man to be in relationship with God. He has persuaded that person through the drawing of the Holy Spirit and one has received the gospel. That's when common grace goes to effective grace, saving grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. The Bible says, So when we preach that Christ was crucified... The Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. 
But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So the Jews and Gentiles heard alike. Some of them believed, some of them did not. All the people present heard the preaching, but only those who believed received God's saving grace. Now let's talk about this gift of grace since we have talked about the God of grace. We use the word receive salvation, receive Christ into our heart, receive salvation or receive the grace of God because the grace of God is a gift of God. It is something that God wraps up and gives to us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 15, the Bible says, But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Sin is what we have, but grace is what God gives. And the gift of grace is through, as the scripture we just read says, through the death of Jesus Christ. If we all had the common grace of God but did not have the saving grace through Jesus, then we're all still doomed. We all are still on the outside looking in because we have an inherited nature to sin. We have that nature within us from Father Adam that we've inherited. But maybe some of you would think today, I don't even know Adam. I don't know if I've got what he had. you got your own list you can go with. It's not just because we have an inherited sin nature. We have a sin nature. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. This is what we bring to the table. We have sin. And listen, sin is great. And when I mean great, I mean immense. Sin is immensely destructive. It will mess you up. In fact, every misery of life that we have right now is relative to sin. But grace is even greater. God's gift of grace, his wonderful gift of forgiveness, is just like the song goes. Grace that is greater than all my sin. And this is a gift of God. This is what God has gifted humanity with. Unmerited favor. Now, how unmerited is this favor? Just how unmerited is the favor of God to those who would receive salvation? Well, let's talk about it. In this box is a few of my most favorite Christmas gifts I've ever received. Now, in fact, this is not just about a box of Christmas gifts. I would say it's a box of gifts that I've received. Not necessarily Christmas, but some of my most favorite gifts ever. This was was given to me by my children. Best daddy by par. I mean, you got to love that, right? This was given to me by by my kids. There's no dirt or anything on it because I won't put it on my golf bag because I love it too much, right? I don't want to wipe my hands on it. My babies gave me this. So best daddy by par, one of my most favorite gifts. This this was given to me by my sister. This is a study Bible. This is the first study Bible I ever received. New Living Translation. This is why I preach from the uh, New Living Translation because when I grew in God and God was growing me up, he grew me through this translation. And she gave me this when I graduated high school. And I studied in it, and if I opened it up, all the pages would fall out because I've used it a lot, and I've had to get more. 
and needs to be rebound. But this is a special gift that my sister gave to me in the year 2000, which, good gracious, that's a long time ago. This was given to me by my wife. Remember this? I still wear it. Brittany gave me this 14 years ago. We were dating, and Brittany gave me this jacket, which is still nice, and I still wear it. But Brittany didn't give me this at Christmas. She didn't give me this when we got engaged. She didn't give me this for my birthday. She just gave it to me one day because I guess she loved me. And I really, really, I've always remembered that because she just gave it to me. This is a special gift to me, even though it stays in my truck most of the time. I do, I do wear it and have worn it all the time. I, I do love this jacket. This is, a, this is a guitar. My parents gave me this guitar. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to play this thing. Y'all would be underwhelmed <clears throat> of the uh, six chords that I can play. But uh, my parents gave me this guitar at Christmas. I opened it up. I had no idea. I didn't request it or ask for it or anything. But I think when I was in college, my mom and daddy gave me this guitar and and uh, I've, I've learned to play some on it. Sometimes our family sings to it and things like that, but I've always loved this gift. This, this last gift uh, was probably the most recent given to me. This, this gift was given to me by a special friend. Now, when, when I was uh, amongst my buddies, we always talk about what our favorite shoes are, right? I know that sounds weird, but... Uh, we talk about what our, our my, my favorite shoes that I've ever had were the basketball shoes I wore when I was a senior in high school. In fact, I, I loved them so much that I wore them the same two years, my junior and senior year. And not too long ago, I had a gift wrap with my name on it, and I opened it up, and wouldn't you know, he gave me the very shoes that I wore my junior and senior year. And they didn't have the blue on them, with the, which is nice. I have not worn these yet because I'm so afraid to get them dirty, y'all. But I love these. It's one of the nicest gifts that anybody has, has given to me. And, and, and last night, is, is, uh, seriously, this, this illustration, I began to think about this. Last night at about 6 o'clock, I asked Brittany, I said, uh, there was a box in our, uh, one of our bedrooms that was just like <laughs> this box. And I said, Brittany, we need to wrap this box because I need it for tomorrow. And she was like, that's the box, that's the box we're going to use like, when we go to your family and we get presents. We're going to put them in. She's like, are you serious? We're seriously going to have to wrap this box? I was like, I'm going to share the gospel with it, if that's okay by you. <laughs> so she, um, she wrapped it up real nice and neat for me, which I appreciate. But listen, this is the connection I want to make. All of these gifts that were given to me, I don't know if they were merited or not. Meaning, I don't know if I was deserving of any of these things. But what I do know is that I was given these gifts within relationship. I was given these gifts within right relationship. They gave to me, and I give to others because of the relationship. Listen, God's gift of grace was not given to creation because of the relationship with him. It was given so that we could have a relationship with God. God gave the gift of Jesus when we were not right with him. Think about the gifts that you'll receive this Christmas. And think about the gift of grace that was extended to you and to your neighbor through the blood of Jesus Christ, but it was also extended to every culture across the world, even to those that would curse his name. 
This is the weight of grace. This is the goodness of God. That he would give you the gift of his love, not because you are in a right relationship with him, but so that you could have one. Isn't God good? This is the unmerited favor of God. You don't feel like it? That's right. You don't deserve it. Neither do I. This is why it's called unmerited favor. The scripture says in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. What does that mean? That means that while we were at our worst, Jesus was at his best. That while we did not deserve... This was not like God sending Jesus on a day where we had our stuff together. This was not like God finally sending his gift of grace when we got it all right. No, this is when we had it all wrong. This was when we were at our worst. God and his grace was at his best. How unmerited was this favor of God and the gift of grace? God lowered himself. He stepped out of heaven through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave up his riches. He became a man. He became a slave. And he died. That's how unmerited this gift of grace is. The Bible says he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born a human being. The Bible says when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. Jesus humbled himself and died a criminal's death on a cross. How unmerited is this favor of the gift of grace? He took a cross punishment death that you and I deserved. That's how unmerited it is. One theologian puts it this way. Jesus became what we are that we might become what he is. How unmerited is this favor? Listen, God don't owe us a thing. Do y'all hear me? God owes us nothing. He doesn't know what, you know what kind of culture we live in? We live in the kind of culture where the government's about to cut everybody a $600 check and we turn our nose up at that. That's the kind of culture we live in. Like, that's all you're going to give us? Why do we deserve the $600 in the first place? I guess just because we exist. See, that's what our culture thinks. Is God, just because we are here, we deserve the blessings on earth and eternity in heaven just because we are that awesome. Just because we're here. That's who we are in our pride. We think that we deserve everything. Let me tell you who we are according to Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. No one is righteous, not even one. The Bible says no one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Grace sound all right to y'all after that? It sounds pretty good to me. None of us are good. No, not one. The best people I know need Jesus. If we say somebody is good, we say that in a worldly sense, like they're a good old boy or that's a good family. We don't mean they're without sin. We mean they're pretty good people based on the world's standards. But listen, none of us, none of us have the mind, the heart, nor the works to stand before the holy throne of God and put before him a resume to explain why he should let us into heaven based on who we are. Nobody has that. Are you kidding me? Who do we think we are? 
Now, again, I, I say that like, man, you're exactly right. Can you believe that? People think this way all the time. They make up in their own mind what it will be like to get into heaven. As long as we do this, I think we're good. Let me ask you if you think that. Have all your ideas over a lifetime always held up? Every idea you ever had been a good one? So you're going to bet eternity on your idea of what you think? And that's who we really think. That's how much credit we give ourselves. You remember the last idea that you had that didn't go right? Last weekend, our family is, is making our way to our son's basketball game. Now, it's in Lauderdale County, and there's one of two gyms that it could be at. And we have an idea of where we are going. But the ways out don't really help with this because it's one of two gyms in a small circle of places. So we're off the app. We've got an idea of where we're headed. We start out. We take a right off the main road. We're looking for a gym that we think is the right one. We are so focused on this idea that we have that we miss some of the goings-on outside the car that are actually happening. All of a sudden, we see people standing on the side of the road, and they're dressed in some Christmas gear, and there's different things happening. And we're going way too fast because we're running a little bit late for this game, but we're still focused on the gymnasium. What we've done is we have plowed through, basically, a live nativity scene of a local church in Lauderdale County. <laughs> we are so focused on the idea that we think is right that by the time we've passed it, Mary and Joseph have gone behind us. And there's men, grown men in like reflective gear and wands that are yelling at the preacher and ladies vehicle. Seriously screaming at us. Saying things like, slow down! There's kids around here! It's terrible. I apologize if y'all, anybody will be listening. In Rogersville, please accept my humblest apology. What made it worse is... The idea that we had was the gym for our son's basketball game was not it. So we had to drive back through. <laughs> Just keep going, Brittany. Just drive. Listen, if we can't get to a gym that holds our kids' basketball game based on a right idea, I'm pretty sure eternity's not left up to me either. Why don't we let... Why don't we just let God call it? His, his gift of grace, his standard for living, why don't we just line up with his terms? Our way is much more difficult. We're going to try to get good works lined up. And hopefully good works outweigh the, the way the bad and all these things. God just wants to give us grace through the works of his son Jesus. Let us not be so prideful that we determine who God is and how heaven should be for humanity? How unmerited is the favor of God? God doesn't owe us a thing. All God owes us is really a hard time. We're sinners and deserve the wrath of God, but Jesus took that too. But the scripture we read at the beginning says that Jesus, the glorious, direct expression of God, is full of unfailing love, of grace, 
That word full, he's full of grace, full of unfailing love. He's full. When we think to ourselves, even as a Christian, as we sit in here today, not feeling that we should have the grace of God, not ever feeling that God could use us to serve or to lead, understood. But Jesus is full of grace. Not just based on something. No, no, no. That's who he is in his character. Meaning the offer of grace is based on the character of God, not the merits of man. Grace is a gift. So an obvious takeaway today, church, is receive it. Receive the gift. If you're a sinner in need of salvation and you know it, don't be prideful. Humble yourselves like the rest of us, I reckon, and and receive the gift of God's grace through faith and repentance. Believe in Jesus. Turn from your sin. And if you're a Christian, you've got to receive grace too. We don't have it all together once Jesus saves us. That, That nature of sin doesn't go away. In fact, we play to it all too often. And God's grace, he's full of grace. And so if he offers it, I guess we should take it. And let God determine your future. Don't hold yourself back by consequences. Now, yeah, even forgiven sin has consequences, but don't hold your future back by something that God has cleared by His grace. The God of grace, the gift of grace. Now, one final takeaway. The growth in grace. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. This is the last point. Last few sentences. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 17 through 18, I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends, be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All glory to Him both now and forever. Amen. This brief sentences of Scripture is, is a warning to the church to be on guard against false teachers. The error the Bible talks about is that's wrong teaching. It's wrong ideas about who Jesus is, about who God is, about a worldview of what's right and what's wrong. This is a warning to the church to be on guard about false messages. And the Christian instruction given to the church following this warning is not Once y'all get into the church in small groups, y'all need to blast these folks in your conversation. That's That's not what it said. It's not write off these people that are wrong in their doctrine. That's not the instruction. No, it's grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. When we grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's not so that we can pass a Scantron test, if they still use that. When we grow in the knowledge of Jesus, it's not so that we can shout somebody down in a a theological argument. When we grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's so that we will exhibit his characteristics in the world. It's so that we will grow in knowledge to grow in grace. Growing in grace, again, is not just a result of knowledge. It's an increasing in the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. It's a practical demonstration of what has been received. Meaning, church, if you have received the gift of grace, then give the gift of grace. Give it to somebody. Man, I am, I am shocked that Christians will never let people off the hook. Of all people, 
to extend grace, it ought to be those of us that know it. Yesterday at 4 o'clock in the evening, I still hadn't got my Christmas sweater. I'm an old Navy in Decatur. I picked up the warmest Christmas sweater ever been made. I went in there to get this Christmas sweater, and in line is about 50 folks. And all of a sudden, my flesh and my attitude's going, I'm not even going to get one. I'm going to go to church with a T-shirt on because I ain't standing in this line around all these folks. Like, that's what's happening in my mind and in my flesh. And then the Spirit of God reminds me what I'm preaching on tomorrow. Man, you're going to be around people. You're going to have to grow in grace. You have to grow in grace. You have to extend grace to each other. You have to extend grace to your families. Extend grace to your coworkers. This is unmerited favor. And that doesn't come from the world because grace is a gift that is founded in God. You want to give a good gift this Christmas? Give somebody grace. They don't deserve it. That's the point. That's the point. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Thank you all for being here this morning. If you want to join the church, join the church at Christmas. You need to be saved. Make sure you're saved. It's as simple as calling upon the name of the Lord to be saved. It's as serious as turning from your sin and turning to God. Faith and repentance. We've got baptisms coming up the next week, the next two weeks. We'd love to line you up at baptism as well. We have pastors here. We have staff here that can help you if you need some help today. We'd love to continue this conversation of grace with you. And this altar is open for you. If you'd like to just come today and pray, well, our, our staff is cleaned and we made sure everything is clean as it can be, so come and pray. So in our time of response, let's deal with what God has put on our heart. Lord, thank you so much for this church. We thank you, O oh God, for how you are continuing to work in our life. Growing in grace is a process. And Lord, I just pray that we be better at it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's one or many today, this Sunday before Christmas, that needs to know that they are right with you, secure in their eternal destination, I pray, oh God, today they lay down their pride and come and talk to somebody. Oh Lord, right where they are in their heart, that they would confess their sin before you, turn from their sin and turn to you by calling upon the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we would be about the next steps of obedience, to be baptized, to join the church, to, to attend a group, to serve, to lead. God, help us towards our next steps of faith. We thank you again for your grace. We thank you so much for your unmerited favor. In Jesus' name, amen.